Hey, if you've got an extra 15 minutes and are still awake, stick around after this week's episode for a preview of a new podcast from at least some of the hosts here. It's called Unleashed. It's furry storytelling. And uh, yeah, after this episode. Welcome to Radio Free Deimos, an Ixundraconis fan podcast broadcasting from a post-Deimos orbit on Voltaire Station. This week's episode is episode 48, Host Chatter. With me this week are my co-hosts, Ashtar and Wines, and I'm Corbeau. And we have a special new guest this week. His name is YT. He spent the last few years on Ganymede and may need some catching up in local events. And uh, YT, what's your species and where are you from? Hello, yes, thank you for having me. I am a lizard. From Ganymede, as you mentioned. Uh, you sound like a lizard. Thank you. <laughs> I've only been receiving that a few times. A, a lateral lizard or a bipedal lizard? Bipedal, thank you. Oh, cool, cool. So in the spirit of next week's topic, which is Kagsune and Lumen, uh, I'd like to ask a very important question to my co-hosts. What major limb or appendage are you planning on having removed? And what strange piece of technology will you replace it with? A nano butter gland. Oh, oh God. Assemble any flavor or scent. Oh, I wish I hadn't asked. <laughs> well, I plan to have my left leg removed and replaced with a space fountain pen. It's incredibly helpful. Sure. I know, right? Why do they call them fountain pens? Do they actually squirt ink? Oh, sweetie, you, 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 this is a dated reference. You can't have it. Okay. <laughs> As a fox, I've been uh, issued a gag order around this entire question. <laughs> Go ahead and crack your jokes. They're still better than my answer. <laughs> okay. And I, as a lizard, I believe I'll still get my tail removed, mostly because it'll grow back. And other than that, I can have some free storage space. I understand tails are really good for that. You can store like four cubic feet of space up one, under one, in one. You can also use one as a makeshift club in an emergency. Well, that's good for lizards. <laughs> Is it vegan if you only eat your own tail meat? I've never checked, personally. <laughs> I would have to assume yes, considering there's really nothing against eating something that's still alive. Okay. Well. Can you lick your eyes? <laughs> yes, but only on Wednesday. Oh. Do we have Wednesday in orbit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wednesday on Ganymede, I'm sorry. Computer, set the date to Wednesday. <laughs> I think we have it imported. How can anything that big hide for so long a time? Yeah. I wonder what their next move will be. So let's talk about what's new from Ixun Draconis. Uh, the big thing is that the books are on their way. I think they've had their second proof print and have been reviewed and they're going to be printed fairly quickly. There's some neat stuff in there. I really like the four-page reference document at the back that consolidates all of the mechanics. It looks very similar to the old uh, GM screen you could buy off of the place with the thing. Uh, Drive-through RPG. Drive through. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's a really nice, dense resource. Uh, the book is some 350 pages long, impressive, and I'm looking forward to holding it in my little hands. Yeah, lots of pretty art, too. Yes, yes, yes. Other things that are new and recent, Sev has opened up a Patreon campaign. 
which is currently up to $120 a month at $250 of pledges. I believe he's going to start doing some resource level videos that you can use to have kind of a library of developer chat type stuff on hand. And the reason that I just plonked down some of my tiny, tiny, meager English major income is that at $15 a month of contributions, you get a, well, at $5 a month of contributions, you get access to the Insight magazine, which is spelled very strangely, I-N-C-I-T-E. I don't know what that, what that goes or what that means. Um, I, I judge it. And at $15 a month, you get to be on the list of important people that get first crack at new information. And I would like to be able to deliver that information to you first, as long as I have permission to do so. So we are donating. Cool. Yes. But we probably would have anyway. It's the gift that keeps on giving back. <laughs> so looking forward to seeing my first magazine, Sev. <laughs> uh, Any gift to the GM is a gift that keeps on giving to yourself. Right, right, right. Stuff that's currently in the works for HSD, the GM's Guide slash Monster Manual is coming out, and I suspect that will have much more information on Cogsinis than we currently have, because right now, as far as 2.0 goes, they do not have rules going with them. Oh, yeah. So that'll probably be coming out. Cogsinis, brain bugs, and weird apparitions from beyond time and space. Stats for orcas, maybe. And then... So rewinding a bit, I didn't do my homework this week. I didn't do any research on HSD or anything. And I've been off the Discord channel for a few weeks now. So I sent Sev a quick note saying, is there anything coming up? And he sent me a note back saying, well, I'm kind of working on the fantasy game. And I said, what? And he did not respond to me after that. So I think this is my monthly bit of game author abuse. And that's <laughs> fine. That's why we're here. Uh, so I don't know what that is. Uh, I'm kind of interested in it. And welcome back to the podcast, if the previous section has been removed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he wouldn't tell me if he didn't want it broadcast to our tens of listeners. So I'm, I'm wondering uh, how the game's going to translate to fantasy. I guess you could have, uh, if you wanted it to be a 1-1 translation of the current system, guilds and the Empire Tea Company could easily replace the Megacorps. They had about that level of influence. Uh, I assume we'll have wizards, because otherwise it wouldn't be fantasy. Right, right. And I think the system is fairly, I think it lifts well from some of the, from Dungeons and Dragons in terms of uh, new combat techniques and maneuvers uh -huh. and other more tactical games. And I think it's going to translate fairly well to a cinematic fantasy game. Kind of took a step there anyway. Yeah, well, we'll see. Mm -hmm. This is the most fantastic story I've ever heard. And every word of it's true, too. Meanwhile, on Sundays, we are wrapping up our White Wolf campaign arc and are looking at starting up a 2.0 game. Isn't that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Ashtar, we're looking at you right now. Some of us are. Yes. But, okay. You are. Thank I you can for, see that. Thank you for offering to run this game. <laughs> this has been a little different from our previous experiences with 2.0 because we're making characters for long term, not one shots, and... Uh, we're not making them the night before the game when we should have made them two weeks before. <laughs> right. Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, you're the game master. You have to make everybody on the spot. <laughs> We've been making these uh, in slow motion, kind of the usual long week or two to go back and forth the rest of the party and see what's happening. And it's given us, I think, more time to uh, get to know the rules. And that's been kind of fun. We've yeah. seen some new stuff. Yeah. And a little bit of a perspective on the world. I mean, Ashtar's interpretation of it. Pretty cool. Yeah. Are we going to be in a, um, a world where the Spire Ballad, the Spire Ballad, once upon a time, dear listeners, they were, where the uh, battle for the Spire is going to be happening in the near future, where that's pending? 
That is pending. I mean, it is canon that is pending, so there is stuff going on around it. Okay. Yeah. Made that part of my character's history. Future history today. Do we have any revised opinions on kind of the rule balance and how it's working for us? The the rule balance in regards to... Just the mechanics that we haven't really explored very well yet. Character creation front loads a lot more work up front. Yeah, I think trying to work with uh, some new players that have really never worked with role-playing games at all uh, kind of outlined how challenging it is. I mean, any game is going to be challenging. We had trouble with White Wolf, which is a fairly simple character generation system. You just put points on a page. But I feel like the rules are going to go down a lot more smoothly because they're just smoother rules. (laughs) It is a combination of both front-loading a lot of the character rules into the very beginning of character creation, but also introducing the world, which has a lot more texture and lore and color than maybe a similar sci-fi or fantasy game. Right. Which is kind of having an effect on a new, a player new to HSD and a player fairly new to role-playing in general of, this is a lot to take in. Right. And if your background is mostly, um, what's the online game that all of the kids were playing forever? Video games. Video games. No. RuneScape, World of Warcraft. Yes, that one, World of Warcraft. <laughs> if your background is World of Warcraft and you don't really have a, a background in creating kind of more real world-based characters, it's going to be challenging. Right. Or, or sci-fi outside of Star Wars. Yeah. Currently, half our table is fairly new to gaming. They've been introduced during our World of Darkness game. World of Darkness is not real world. I mean, your characters started in the real world, but they've gone somewhere else, somewhere very different. So it's it's hard to make characters that are both unique, can hold down a role in the party, and are people. And honestly, I don't hold that against the game. It's just something to be aware of when you're starting a table or starting a game that the first, the first scheduled session that you're having might not be playtime. It might not even be character creation time. You might have familiarization set up and character second pass before you really get to the game itself. Mm-hmm. As long as you have that prep time, everything's going great smoothly. It's the first session QA, uh, Q&A history uh, expo, and then maybe character creation if we get around to it time. That's yeah. how I've always had HSD character creation go, is we need to introduce people and get them caught up on how many years of history? <laughs> 702. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think we we have a player who's not much of a reader, isn't really interested in reading the background, and, well, there's not much we can do if you don't read the background. I hear there's a really good podcast out there that covers (laughs) much of the same background. He doesn't like podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) I hope forgive him for not liking this podcast. I understand we're kind of snoozers. Yeah. We'll figure it out, but that is tough. I mean, World of Darkness, at least, I mean, while it's not about the real world at least it's rooted in the real world and that gives you a pretty good background uh, one thing i've noticed about 2.0 is it's kind of keyword happy i mean more so than world of darkness less so than D. you know i think about on par with D fourth ed where words have a lot more capital letter meaning and you have to kind of remember what a keyword is and use it in other right. context i finally got it but the amount of time i'm struggling with the fact that skills are not called skills skills <laughs> is pretty much I, I can't think of many other systems where skills is not called skill. 
but here, <laughs> they're proficiencies. And there, there is no such thing as a skill. In White Wolf, they're called skills, talents, knowledges, and proficiencies. Okay, and that, that's asinine, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, because the, it works the same way. I mean, wh- why separate it? But anyways, bitch, 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 bitch. Yes. Okay. Yeah, World of Darkness also does separate, you know, skills, proficiencies, knowledge, all that, out into their own separate little topics. So we don't get things like medicine in that proficiency where it is a knowledge and sometimes it jumps between categories. It does. But they do have game effect differences. They do. Yeah. I, mm. I, I, I kind of wish, I feel like there should be a full page just saying, this is what a boon is. This is what a proficiency is. This is what a simplify is in huge, huge, simple, hyena readable, like, the, the, this is how you access the emergency exits cards. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that's what I need. I mean, I, mean, I, I okay, I realize I'm in the remedial class, but you want it it's so, tough. You want it so we can hold it up across the table. Exactly, and exactly. So the just... advocate says those three are together at the beginning, but the rest of the keywords are not with. Yes, them. but they aren't in 48 point <laughs> font. There's no pictures. Yeah, a, a glossary would be good. I think both in world and out of world. I think the first book had a decent kind of browsable glossary of terms. That, that really helped me understand some of the fine points of the world. And later on, I've been using it for reference for building out geographies and things like that. The definition of corporation is in there, and I've let it be very strange in my mind. And it's good to return to center occasionally uh-huh. and just see what it actually meant. Um, so, yeah, the game might be benefited by having uh, both an in-character and out-of-character glossary. And also, the, the I mean, this might just be me, but like the, the differences between a simplify and changing the difficulty of the of the check are subtle and i can see how there's there are minor differences mm-hmm. but i don't know. I, I i kind of ask why isn't it just one system instead of two systems but but, but you know I, I we haven't played with it that long yet and maybe i just don't see it yet from a gm there they are two different lovers for two different uses one of them is really to give the player a consistent and something to write down on their character sheet change to that role the other one is for a more situational change but in effect they're basically doing the same thing yeah i mean i I guess it avoids the you know is this a plus one or a plus two or a plus three it's just like it's a simplify period take it yeah and uh fourth ed had what do they call it a shift or something like that what was the there's plus two bonus and there was a term for the plus two bonus advantage favor might have been advantage Uh, oh you mean mean fifth ed no, fifth head has advantage. Fifth has advantage, but that is not yeah. a plus. That is a roll again and take the right, value. right. Okay. That so there's frequently something like that, and it does usually get a capital T term. Right, and this is this is new player stuff too. We need to learn it and figure it out. Sure. Overall, sure. I think we, during playtest we found the system to be fairly learnable, fairly streamlined, and move faster than other systems. Right. I do appreciate that it's not the huge array of stats and skills that it was before. I think, you know, it, it, it took some getting used to thinking in terms of this few stats, this few skills. Yeah. But I've played with character generation for, you know, two weeks now. And I think, OK, no, I, I, I get it. And it is still a grid. I mean, there is still the rules light approach of having yeah. a mixture of skills and a mixture of uh, stats they kind of match with it's not it's a little more predefined a little more cut and dried but it's still there if you want to do something crazy like having computers plus body or something like that uh-huh. <laughs> i guess asr does that occasionally uh, so so there are rule light, rules light options and that makes me happy because i like that kind of mechanic yeah did you say computers plus body yes as in percussive maintenance exactly <laughs> wonderful <laughs> 
so we have um, YP here who is visiting us again from Ganymede. Hello. And um, I'm very thankful to have him because in particular he's, well, a local player. And there aren't that many of us down here. Yeah. And that's exciting. He's got a whole new set of opinions. He believes in house rules. <laughs> Sometimes they're necessary. No. Yeah. He brought ration bars and oxygen. He brought oxygen. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I got to say it. Kevin Symbiata. I don't know this one. Shambita. Oh, Kevin Shambita. What, what is that system? Rifts. Rifts. Have you heard of Rifts? I don't believe I have. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible system that doesn't even make any goddamn sense. And the, the, the author has said, yeah, it doesn't make sense. That's why I house rule it. Awesome. The author says he house rules it, but he won't share it. What is how house rules are? Second right, end. right. It's like, well, why not write them into the rules? But okay, I, I'm sorry. He is the, that is the pinnacle of the worst possible situation of house rules. Sorry, I just had to com- complain. It's Please okay. continue. He doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> good, good. I have the hardcover black book. <laughs> it's got so many furries in it. Oh my gosh! Riffs has like dog boys, and it's got the evil devil wolves, and like so oh, many, riffs. so many yeah, different yeah. races. <laughs> the glitter boys and mega damage. I remember this one now. It's the only role playing game with a swimsuit issue. I don't know if those dog boys are furries though. Yeah, they're furries. In my head, they're furries. <laughs> they're, really, they're furries. Yeah. It took me a moment. I had forgotten about it, probably willingly. <laughs> yes. Repression is important. It blocked it. But yes, uh, you had a question? Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what brought you to the HSD system? Yeah. Uh, so as a furry, I was always looking around for, you know, furry role-playing games. And uh, I had just come out of a wonderful, wonderful Eclipse phase game Oh, that will probably set such a bar I will never play Eclipse Plays again because <laughs> it was... You really just can't be topped. Really quick aside, what, what is the, the theme of Eclipse Phase? Uh, so Eclipse Phase is uh, the Borg came through and killed off humanity. I think it's called the Borg. I'm forgetting terminology. Okay. And humanity is now endangered. But at the same point in time, we have come to such a kind of extent technologically that dying is kind of more of a hindrance than a permanent situation and you can just be reborn if your head is still around or your consciousness is still around into a new body taking some insanity Uh, damage so so like kind of distant sci-fi kind of distant sci-fi where science is approaching magic very actually uh in the similar realm to hsd in that tech is advanced to an extent where uh-huh. we can also create these things called uplifts, where we take sure. animals and give them human intelligence. Very important. And that's yes. where all progress stops. <laughs> and it very much is, because that's when you can play an octopus that wields six sniper rifles and be the most badass blunder in the name <laughs> of the galaxy. There's been, I mean, the two games are compared fairly regularly on the yes. internet. Um, whether that's accurate or not. It seems to me that Eclipse Phase is a little more post-apocalypse. Very much so. Uh, Because it is, humanity is dying. We need to either rebuild or try not to kill each other for 10 minutes because really there's not much more to do in Eclipse Phase than run around trying to get drugs and trying to kill people. Hmm. Yeah, the post-apocalypse genre is really informed by survival as the primary thing. Yes. HSD does not have that problem. <laughs> right, yeah, because HSD has a lot of horror elements, but it's fundamentally a civilized because, world, and like, I do appreciate that. In Eclipse Phase, you're fighting off insanity rather than health. Okay, okay. interesting. So big tonal differences for sure. Yes. 
And sorry for that aside. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, coming from Eclipse Phase, I was looking for something that was just as sci-fi, but not quite as badly broken as the Star Wars games are. Mm -hmm. And I ran across HSD, uh, which kind of answered most of my questions. And I grabbed it, not realizing how furry of a game it was, and played it in college with a group of non-furs, which was wonderful in its own extent. So so what what do they think? Uh, They saw it, they pulled me aside and went, this is a very furry game. (laughs) I said, yes, but give it a moment, the character sheet is going to turn uh, turn you. And I saw Uh the Gen 1 character sheet with the 4x5 grid of stats and went, Uh this is wild. I can roll uh, economy strength. And then I had one person who I believe was a statistics major immediately build an accountant. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. And there's your first game break. Yeah, that's the, it's really weird when the accountant is the power gamer. <laughs> it was really fun. Uh, the second character, they wanted to play a gorilla, but there wasn't a gorilla uh, with early HSD. And I don't think there is one still. So they, they built a dog and then said, I'm getting surgeries to make myself a gorilla. And so I have my husky gorilla, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Husk Gorilla. Yeah. Goreski? I will will leave the various iterations of that to your own imagination. Okay. Uh, And then I had a few others, including a crow about the size of a teacup, because I let someone take both lateral and micro, which probably shouldn't have done. Sure, why not? And then they immediately set off to, to try and take over Mars from the ground with no money and okay. I just we had a lot of fun with That's it ambitious. and I was such with HSD good, good. okay yeah I, I've always been kind of curious how I mean one can see how this game markets to furries of course but I've been curious as to how, how, whether non-furries would find interest they in it. were really happy to not have to play D&D uh, they okay, saw okay. the character creation and the malleability of every character and they went I can play something wild that is not prone to stereotypes because they sure. didn't know the stereotypes of the furs. They just saw, I can have fun. And they took off to that, which is a lot of fun to watch. Um, the fox still ended up being the go-to, hey, you're charismatic, go have fun at a bar. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's the weasels. Yeah, sometimes it's the weasels. Um the accountant was a lizard and just as paranoid as a normal accountant. Our, ours is too. I know. We have like, one of those. It fits too well. Huh. Uh, they were also the f- first person, I believe, the party tortured. Oh. The party tortured its own member? Accountant? They were thinking the accountant was, was in collusions with the big, big bad, evil Mars Co. Oh, okay, okay. They were, but, you know, <laughs> they didn't know that at the time, and the torture didn't help reveal that. Huh. If you roll back a bit to radio, no, role-playing public radio, they did a, a three or four episode HSD arc, and the Game Master was a furry, but the rest of the table was just playing along with him. But uh-huh. they seemed to have a good time. One Let's not call it a complaint, but an observation we've had about a lot of furry fiction is, why is it furry? It doesn't need right, to be. It right. just is, because we like the trappings of animals. Sure. But it's not significantly different from dwarves or elves, just with... It's a different storytelling approach, because like there are some... Well, dwarves and elves are still Tolkien. They, have, they will probably forever, from when it was written, be Tolkien. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, with the animal stuff, this is all still going back to the sci-fi of... Your, when uh, 
like we were using foxes to be sly or lizards to be timid or badgers to not care or <laughs> dogs to be loyal, loyal. and sweet and drooly. Yeah. And very noisy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so they, they took off to that, which they very much appreciated not having to go with Tolkien lore. Yeah. That, that, that is nice. I... <sighs> And that's something that, that, that frustrates me a little bit. I mean, I, I kind of like the, the fantasy games where species do have really strong stories. Uh, HSD gives a, a bit of a story for different species, but just kind of says, you know, well, you know, maybe you go that way, maybe you don't. Really, anything is possible. Yes. Uh, I mean, you, if you want to play a... I, I mean, gazelles have their, have their thing, but it, you don't have to play a gazelle that, that is this particular way. It's yeah. just... It's an option. Right, right. And and that does feel kind of modern in a way that yeah, kind of the, the the old fantasy stereotypes are kind of regressive. Yeah. Well, I think that was a very deliberate design decision. You go uh-huh. back to HSD 1.0 and just start reading through the intro to the book. It references repeatedly that... Vectors are just humans with a different color skin, or vectors are just human. Vectors are all humanity. They just have different outsides. Uh Uh, It was not only that, but they also uh, made, there was a very clear point a few times in it, which is a few of the more negative things are removed, and it's mostly just siblings fighting against each other, which is a very fun way to think of the world and also lets you get away with a lot of things. But even when you start getting into the different family discussions, the family discussions are treated almost more as different corporate cultures or different continental cultures as opposed to like this species does this and this species acts like that. Uh And I I feel like the theme throughout most of it is we're taking this as a very sci-fi approach and we're very deliberately not adding the little furry Mm -hmm. earmarks that, that... furry speak would call to other furries. Right. Uh-huh. You can have an animal person game without it being capital F furry. I yep. mean, I feel like with the introduction of TARS, this game does become furry. Yes. <laughs> with the introduction of atypical patterning, this game became furry. Yes. <laughs> By Essence. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 I mean, stereotypes are a thing. It's, it's, you know, I am from Texas. <laughs> my, <laughs> my cowboy hat is not currently on. I do not have a horse. I have a dog. Um, but I do, I know I didn't even have a cowboy hat, but we know people that wallow in the Texas sure, stereotype sure. so much. There's a range of options there. And there is, I mean, I'm glad there's still room for, like, if your character's from a grotto, then maybe things are that weird there. Like like Longbow being the, the obvious example of yeah. a place that is very, very strange, but it's its own little world. So, yeah, it's it's consistent to itself only and then it throws out things like the mariner trench on mars which is this is a huge giant population uh, population center where everything mixes and matches and it's kind of like new york you wander around for five minutes and you walk through three different cultures huh. yeah well one thing i've noticed from white wolf is that if you present a tribe or auspice with a strong character type and feel then someone at the table maybe everyone at the table will fight <laughs> yes. against it i have made three glass walker lupuses in my time um it's it's, <laughs> it's the snowflake factor and it's right. it's easier to design in opposition to an to a stereotype than it is to have one the so good having, drow what the good drow oh my god driz you horrible man <laughs> so having having a stereotype that's only as strong as you make it 
kind of weakens that as an approach because it's harder to play against a soft stereotype than it is to play against an ironclad one. Yeah, yeah. I always reinforce them as if your character is in a situation that is unusual, then you will fall back onto the stereotypes more firmly than anything else. You're talking about your game. Did you play this uh, online or in person? This was in person. Okay, uh, cool. All sitting around a big round table, which Excellent. was a lot of fun. Excellent, excellent. It was actually a kind of stereotypical D&D uh, room where we had one emergency light above our heads that we couldn't turn off and everything else was turned down. So we couldn't actually see the corners of the room. Sexy, I Which like was it. great. It really put the atmosphere on this very happy game. Mm-hmm. There comes a time in each man's life when he can't even believe his own eyes. Well, after your description, I don't think I'd want to see it either. Well, I suppose that brings us around to the What's Awesome section of the podcast where we talk about some news and events that have caught our eyes. Uh, I have a short and sweet one this week. I confess I don't actually care about this, but it seems like a disproportionate number of furries that I know do. Uh-huh. Uh, Space Jam 2... <laughs> finally has a release date. That's hilarious. It's July 16th, 2021. Excellent. Nothing more to say about this. You're sure this isn't uh, just a joke? I am, I've seen it on multiple websites, and none of which I created. Okay. okay. It may be a joke, but it's not April. So huh. they would have postponed it. But yeah, that's been in the works for as long as Space Jam has been a thing. And pushed back and bumped and all sorts of things. So... I, I don't have any strong opinions about this, but I figure someone out there might. It's goofy as crap. I mean, I, I guess it's Space Jam was kind of the Animalympics for the 90s. Well, without that delightful element of independence. That's true. Okay, a heavily sold out Animalympics for the 90s, <laughs> which may be even more 90s. I don't know. That's true. The nostalgia minds are starting to run low. We must dig deeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really though, <laughs> really though. What they also just re uh, released Bambi, not Bambi. Uh, big elephant, elephant with big ears. What is that? Dumbo. 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 Right. Didn't we hear good things about that? I think I did, but but still, it's a movie about elephants, and I just really can't bring myself to actually go. Yeah. Where do they cut the crow scene out? Which. I, I'm sure it'll be great, but but I'm just not enthralled. Lion, Lion King is still in the works. We'll go for that. Now, when they remake Fox and the Hound, I'll be there. Uh, live about, action, everything. <laughs> yes. What about Watership Down? They did it. Li- live yes. action. Oh, well, there's a new CGI one that's really nice. Oh, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not great. Uh, very true to the book. It is very true to the book. I missed that. Huh. No, it's nice. It's on Netflix. It's really pretty. Yeah. There was something in the news recently about how there are now serious legal barriers between limiting what organizations can tweet about. I'm not just talking about Elon Musk. I mean, he's not an organization. He's he, he's a thing. <laughs> but I, I just find that interesting as just a kind of a sign of the growth of the corporation into an individual. Right. It was like the, the corp... I mean, it was based on Elon Musk's 420 tweet, but... It's beyond that. It's it's other organizations, too. It's not just the Musk. I want to call him the Musk. Please don't. The Musk effect. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but he could, he could get across paragraphs of information in the Musk. 
So what what was the theme that a single person that the corporation could tell someone not to represent them in a in a the the the, the what corporations say in social media is becoming legally limited. Oh. Because it's so powerful. Oh, right. Because of like stock ripples and things like that. Right, right. So it's, 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 it's interesting. Is that why Tony the Tiger stepped down from Twitter? Possibly. Possibly. I mean, they gave him too much power. They realized he was no longer a reliable spokesperson. Spokestiger. Spokestiger. <laughs> Wendy and Burger King are going to be very disappointed. Both are very active on Twitter. I didn't know they had a thing. I believe Arby's is also quite active on Twitter. Does Arby's have a... No, um, that's like nihilist Arby's. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> the, I thought the marketing campaign kept doing things. Isn't Arby's mascot just a hat? I don't know. It's kind of like a, 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 the Texan version of a sorting hat. I thought it was just a nice piece sandwich, all things considered. <laughs> sits on your head and tells you what burger you want. I remember the, 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 you look like you want chopped beef. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a jumbo. <laughs> that's harsh. <laughs> Uh, but probably true. <laughs> Anyone else? I think we've done enough harm. <laughs> Ashtar's boycotted this section. <laughs> well, next episode, we will be focusing on Cogsunes and Lumens, so we'll wrap up now and catch up with you soon. So, catch you line. Intro music is Future Club, and outro music is Tronicles, both by Sirius Beat. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Radio Free Demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification. Check out our website, RadioFreeDemos.com, that's D-E-I-M-O-S, for more rambling, resources, links to official and fan-driven content, and our full catalog of episodes. And look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. episode zero of unleashed helpfully titled episode zero best title ever unleashed is or will be or right now that this moment in an alternate universe without february or january already has been a storytelling podcast from the furry fandom little slices of real life are what passes for real life when most of your friends are imaginary I'm Corbeau, and I'm really thrilled to be launching this podcast. I hope you can tell that I'm really thrilled. You can't see the hand gestures, and it's hard to make them out over podcasts, so there's that. I'm Corbeau, and I'm really thrilled to be launching this podcast. I hope you can tell that I'm thrilled. I know the hand gestures are hard to make out on a podcast. So what's it going to be about? Okay, there's another hand gesture. I'm pointing at you, but honestly, not sure where you're sitting. Somewhere over there, maybe. Unleashed is going to be about the people or animals or animal people of the fandom. Stories about cons, meets, virtual spaces, relationships, friendships, explaining to mom, not explaining to mom, things we never wanted to explain to mom ever, and all the little corners of our world that are filled with balls of weirdly colored fluff. To steal a line from Ira Glass, whom I will be doing my best to imitate and totally avoid imitating, stories from this polymeric fiber life.
I guess I could start with a story myself. Uh, let's take the clock back 15 years to March 2004. This is the great state of Texas's first furry convention, and really, it was a completely different world than the one we're in now. You weren't necessarily Amish if you didn't have a cell phone. Fur affinity was not a thing. Social media firestorms were also not a thing. Facebook wasn't even a thing yet. Texas's first furcon, which was called Texas Furcon, by the way, and it's been a great night for titles, was advertised on the state's furry email listserv, and I don't, I guess that's still a thing. I'm, I'm not sure. And it's really easy to talk about all the things that aren't things now, and all the things that were things but aren't even Wikipedia articles at this point, and frankly, that's pretty dull. And Wikipedia was a thing back then. But it does set the context for one really huge change. On June 15th, 2003, like nine months before the con, if you're keeping score, it was suddenly, across the state and across the nation, okay to be gay. The Supreme Court had heard Lawrence versus the state of Texas and declared that the laws punishing same-sex sex were unconstitutional. And suddenly things were different. Gays and lesbians weren't criminals anymore. Maybe you could actually have a long-term relationship and someone could find out about it and they'd be like, oh, hey, you must be happy that sodomy is legal now. And you could be like, yes, I am, thank you. I'll have an order of six. I don't remember that specific conversation happening, but I do remember being at one of the best places in the world and one of the worst places in the world because I had just started the relationship with the guy I was ultimately going to marry someday, but I didn't know that at the time. And I was getting ready to lose him, and I really did know that. Wines and I had met like 10 years before when I met him drawing foxes in the hall at college and I wanted a copy of the picture and he wanted to be left alone. We met again in 2002. I was just out of a messy breakup, he had been married for five years, and I was far too in the closet to fall in love, but we really fell in like. Getting together at every possible furry meetup, having awkward misunderstandings about where to sleep at furry campouts, going to movie nights, and so on. It was all squeaky clean, at least at first. But as the year went on, friends just wasn't going to be enough. And somewhere in there, just for a few moments, there was this perfect span of time where it seemed like we wines, myself, his wife, maybe we could all be in this nice orbit together. It was this little window when it seemed like everybody could be happily ever after. And that's where my mind was when we drove to Texas FurCon. It was my first furry con. I was with my first boyfriend. I was in love. Or like, I don't know. <laughs> it was a new world on so many levels, and I could feel that little window closing. So, location. If you go to Texas Furry Fiesta, you'll see the big glittery ball of Reunion Tower in Dallas. Uh, Anthrocon is in this huge valley of tall metal buildings. Pittsburgh is a steel town. It's, it's majestic. And Austin has this fantastic party district. It's Texas's Sodom and Gomorrah. There's great restaurants, bars everywhere, beautiful hotels, and bats under the bridge. It's got lots of good tourist stuff. It's, it's a great town to have a big party in. And Texas Furcon was about as far from that as you can be and still technically be in Austin. It was in a Holiday Inn by the airport, with 75 rooms and a swimming pool, which we never actually saw. Somehow the con had gotten a corporate sponsorship, Shinerbach Beer. There was a big banner over the drop-off entrance saying, Welcome to Texas Furry Convention, approved by the citizens of Shiner, Texas. Shiner, Texas must be much more progressive than I had previously thought. I'd love to tell you the story of the furry glory that was TFC, but I can't because it was 15 years ago, and I don't remember it, and it was a little thing run by a college student and a bunch of friends. It was a party for 300 people, with an art auction somewhere in the middle. It was a little one-shot that said, in Texas, which is a scary place, we can do this silly thing. There was a puppet show. Uh, the fellow who went on to do TFF's puppet shows for the first several years of that much bigger con stole a sheet of pegboard from the art auction and made caterpillars dance on it. 
Here's a video. I ran the hospitality suite. Hot dogs in a crock pot and a one gallon tub of Rico's synthetic cheese paste. Rico's, if you don't know it, it doesn't go bad. Uh, all weekend you just hammered through the crust and it was still orange underneath, which I guess is edible. Wines ran the video room. And when I say video room, I mean TV set in a room. We were really low tech back then. I, I don't even think there were chairs. And I want to keep this podcast friendly and perky, but it's hard to forget the guy we started calling Towel Wolf. He showed up towards the end of the first suit parade, and he wore... Uh, it's hard to explain. In my mind, it was a fursuit made from a gray towel with a toilet paper tube for a snout. Years later, seeing some of the photos, he might have been being just a bit cruel, but there's a certain terry cloth, cardboard, and galoshes aesthetic that you just don't get from, uh, like, say, Lemon Brat's later work. Years later, I don't know who Tal Wolf is, but now he might have been the only person in the fursuit parade. As I recall, there was no food in the building. There must have been a continental breakfast if you paid for a room, but we didn't. And it seems like there was nothing to eat except for sad, sad hot dogs and crunchy cheese sauce. On Saturday, I was wearing an elaborate set of deer antlers that were almost impossible to take off. Once I'd gotten them on, and they were almost impossible to put on when they were off. But we wanted to go out and get some decent food, and I had the only car. So rather than doing something intelligent like give my keys to someone else, who was less physically challenged... I hopped into the driver's seat, and we went very carefully out for tacos and very nervous stares. I look back on that sort of thing years later and wonder, why didn't we die? And that question comes back to me so often. Anyway, short story long, the con was about transitions, edge spaces, liminal zones. It was on the edge of town, not quite Austin, not quite home, not quite the wilderness, not quite Texas, not quite a full convention to escape into, not far enough away that you couldn't get away from the people who knew you and be someone else. And for me, and for us, more edges, more lines, a new relationship that you both knew might probably end, maybe even tomorrow, literally, but sometime soon, tomorrow enough, and a first kiss in a world that was suddenly kiss-compatible, and a first dance that might have also been a last dance. As for that dance, if there's one thing I'll remember forever and always from the weekend, I mean, besides Talwolf, of course, it was that dance. It kind of shows me how subjective memories are. The airport quality and didn't have a grand ballroom they barely had a room so the dance was in the parking lot and not the garage garages are for fancy people no this was out on the asphalt in greece in weird texas spring weather drizzle and mist and techno and 90s club tunes from an overclocked pa system in my head there were stars and we danced under them i know there was drizzle which means realistically no stars but if i could pretend to be a hyena arms around a pretend coyote and pretend that we didn't have to let go, then I can imagine stars. And that, in a nutshell, is what the fandom means to me. It's the borderlands between imagination and reality, where we can share a gentle being's agreement that maybe, yes, we are both dogs, and the next question is not, are you crazy, but what kind of dog? It's a weird transitional realm between child and adult, a foggy nowhere caught between innocence and some really, really weird porn. And to say the fandom is any single thing is to miss out on all the things it can be. So, here's the ask. Share your stories. Record them if you like, or write them down. We've got people, they've got microphones and voice skills. Aim for something like 5 to 15 minutes, and then don't worry about perfection. We can fix it in post. I don't even know how often I say that. We can fix it in post. (laughs) In particular, we're looking for stories for Unleashed's first two episodes. Episode 1, What's in a Name, and our live episode at Texas Free Fest 2019, Game On, 
It's about tabletop gaming and video gaming and stories from that side of the fandom. We're also gathering stories for two more episodes down the road, Gender is a Heck, Journeys into Non-Binary Land, and Down the Rabbit Hole, stories about where you never thought you'd end up. But maybe you've got some story from the fandom that we just never even thought of and some idea that's just going to blow everybody's mind. That, that'd be great. That'd be great. So reach out to us at realstoriesfakefur at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for listening in the future. And keep sharing your stories. Music used in this episode is Secret Igloo by Yan Terrian. Intro and outro music is Transmission and Toulouse Goose Dub, both by Split Phase. Find the podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. And if you find us, leave a review. That'd be pretty awesome. Check our website, unleashed.wtf, for upcoming episodes, story asks, hopes, wishes, and dreams, and more. Not much more. (laughs) Thanks.